everybody, and welcome to the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman, and I am absolutely delighted and honored to have Jeff Johnson and Mark Kresslins joining us today. Jeff and uh, Jeff's really my co-host, so I shouldn't say joining us today. It's kind of a regular thing. Mark Kresslins, I'm delighted to have you, and we're going to discuss your new book, Exit, as well as the goings-on and current events with regards to the protests, with regards to police brutality. What kind of issue is this? What kind of response is appropriate to what happened to George Floyd? And we'll get into some other topics of the proper role of government, as always, and how they tie in. want to remind you, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com. Go to our public page, Polita Prep, and you can join that public group. Anchor FM will be playing this show in, on seven platforms last time I checked, including Spotify. If you need to reach us, you can get me at SuzanneCSherman.com. You will see my published articles as well as suggested reading there. And there's an email you can sign up and you can also reach me there personally. So that being said, Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's always good to be back with my dear, dear friends. Uh, we've been around a long time, haven't we? And, we uh, have. <laughs> a lot of changes. So I really do appreciate this opportunity to come back here and talk about really what we talk about routinely. And, and this is trying to break the status quo thinking that is so you know, that we're all kind of stuck in. Now, some of us are breaking free from it. So I'm, I'm very encouraged to see this. But our, I feel like sometimes our job is just to try to persuade more and more people to abandon what I called this morning emotional laden um, status quo thinking and replace it with some good logical thinking about the mess we're in right now. And, and this obviously is not a current mess. We've, we've been in this mess for a very long time. And it's just that it's, it's beginning to infringe on people um, individually. And I kind of, you know, we've talked about this for years, Jeff and, and Suzanne, that, you know, there was going to need to be a pain threshold that everybody felt before they would be able to really reconsider the whole proposition laid before us. That government as currently formed uh, within the construct of a, a, some sort of constitutionalism uh, is the only way forward. So nobody was really ever going to stop and examine that, except maybe at an academic level and, and a curiosity level. Yeah, it's a good conversation, but, you know, we've still got you know, the greatest form of government known to mankind uh, yeah. in a three-branch yeah, three system. Um, so, you know, but now everybody got slammed, right? Everybody got creamed by the COVID-19 government response. Now, granted, a good deal of it did not come from Washington, D.C., but he set the platform for it with his declaration of a national emergency. I mean, he didn't stop it. And and to be fair, you know, trying to be fair with all the data that I mean, from everywhere, uh, you know, it seemed as though this was the right thing to do. And, and quite honestly, a government confronted with the kind of horror that was being described daily ad nauseum. Um, what were they going to do? That this was that there was not going to be a thoughtful process to this. This was going to be an authoritarian reaction, and it was. And so, what do we have? We have Barron's reporting a few days ago that you know, 42% of small businesses are not going to survive this. Well, let's say it's not 42 and it's 27%. Who who knows? Well, we'll never actually really know. Some of them are just going to go belly up because they were crummy businesses. Uh, others are going to have closed because of the government's COVID-19 response. But look at the millions of people that lost jobs that couldn't come to work. Look at look at the terror that's in the pers people with comorbidities like myself. Mm -hmm. You're staying home while well, you're giving up your income. So all these, all these uh, consequences 
have just emerged upon us with the, you know, early in the year with the COVID-19 response. And people reeled for a moment. Initially, everybody panicked. I don't care who you were. I mean, most everybody. I shouldn't say everybody. But the general population did what would be expected to do. They panicked. And then they started getting their bearings about them and started reading more data and more information was coming out. And suddenly opposing views of the Imperial College study emerged. And, and at least there's an alternative viewpoint out there. We don't know yet today which one is actually actually right, do we? We just kind of are going with what we think is right at this point, which is I'm fine with. But the initial response was very predictable. Oh, I'm going to shut down. And, um, and, and But then we've kind of recovered and then bam, right into this now you know what appears to be an emerging race conflict um and and we've got more turmoil well obviously the constitution is not designed for either one of these it, it could not handle all of this so people just began making up like they've done for you know uh, hundreds of years making up what the constitution says or means and then they say it is <laughs> and therefore we've got the power and therefore it is and it is you know, Mark, I, can I unwrap something really quick or unpack something really quick? Because you mentioned Trump's response to this. And one thing you hear anytime if you want to watch the mainstream news or if somebody's going to want to complain about this, what I hear is Trump didn't do the right thing. Trump, you know, he declared a national emergency. Was that or was that not a right thing? As we said, we, you know, we weren't sure what we were dealing with at the time. But the fact that everybody's looking to one individual out of almost 350 million to solve this problem and then they complain if they don't like the solutions presented or they complain now if he's being draconian by threatening to send in military forces to the states who fail to get their situations resolved in a manner of his choosing. Well, folks, this is what you get when you want to attribute this kind of power to one individual. You're obviously not always going to be happy with what that person's solutions are. And Mark, isn't that really the heart and soul of your message is that this decent, you know, that the centralized version of power really isn't going to solve anything. Idea. I want to just jump in because you said something about the percentages of small businesses that are going to survive. It's very interesting that a bunch of them are going to close because of COVID. And now the ones that may have survived are getting burnt down. Yeah. It's, right. Uh, I mean, there's something well, very uh, wrong with what's going on. Well, and this is why, guys, years ago, I moved away from a discussion about constitutionalism at all. To me, it's irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant because the Constitution means I don't care if you're an originalist or not. Your, your interpretation means nothing. It, it has no force. OK, so you can be at the Heritage Foundation and demand an original interpretation of the Constitution all you want. So what? You get, <laughs> you think, you get heller for that. <laughs> yeah, you, you think Congress is listening? Well, I worked there. You think we worried about think tanks only when we wanted to. So this political game that is anchored in the Constitution is just silly. I mean, it's it's nonsense. It's 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 not even worthy of discussion. And therefore, I don't discuss it anymore. I discuss philosophical ideas on my page and in my discourse with people about organizing societies. You know, the, the be all if 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 our system of government that help organize this society is the pinnacle of man's achievement. <laughs> Houston, we got a problem. We're in big trouble. If this you know, is the pinnacle of man's achievement, then we're in trouble. And I ask people, 
suspend your emotional thinking about the Constitution, about government, about all these ideas, all this nostalgic walk in history you take all the time. Suspend that idea and begin to think with your left side brain of a better way. Perhaps there's a better way forward. And I am convinced there is. And that's why I wrote this book. That's why I wrote this. I the, the, the tagline to my book is exit, a peaceful resolution to America's irreconcilable differences and why Christians must lead the way. If we think this is fixed by the Supreme Court or anything like that, oh, folks, you're you're in la la land. Uh, Mark is saying we need to change people's thinking. And we need to get people to understand what you're being taught, what you're being preached to about the, from the mainstream media about the proper role of government is an absolute lie. And we are seeing as we are starting to spread the truth and make an impact. I have seen some family members of some very influential people from Fox News, for instance, people you may know, people that have seen my page. Somebody had said, one of my local uh, radio folks out here, Brian Hyde, Loving Liberty Network, when I said they took everything, and he said, congratulations, you're making an impact if they're doing that. But, you know, what you hear constantly from these pundits is, and I heard it again this morning, Trump needs to send these people out there because it is the number one job of politicians to keep citizens safe. And the unfortunate thing is the people that are listening to these broadcasts are believing this nonsense. If you really want to accept this notion, which is false, that it is the number one job of your elected officials, whether you support them or not, job to keep you safe, this is just the beginning. When Facebook says we are going to delete the pages that support protests against the lockdowns <clears throat> because it makes you unsafe, wait until you have a gun rights page or a gun instruction page, gun enthusiast page. This is unsafe, gone. At some point, the former town square is where people used to get together and truly have an exposition of ideas. Facebook, social medium, is the town square, like it or not, of the 21st centuries, of the 21st century. This is where the radical notions of freedom, liberty, independence, consent of the governed are discussed. It's not happening on the mainstream media. If it goes away here, you're not going to hear this message anywhere. Game over. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, these are, you know, Daniel, I appreciate your, your idea there, but all revolutions or sweeping societal change uh, begin philosophically. They all do. What's the enlightenment? It's a philosophical debate that ends up in a practical reality of new forms of government emerging. So, you know, to, to discount philosophical discussions is, I mean, you can, but but you you're know, always going to be I'm, reactionary. You're going to be you're going to be just like everybody else on the television that you see a bunch of bobbleheads talking about the riots and the violence. And well, now this has become something about looting and not the basic problem, which is the violence. Come and see the violence inherent in the system. Remember that one? The violence of the police state under which we are living. Now, when everybody's upset about the violence and the looters and getting mad, there was you know we I. I agree there was a reference to the Boston Tea Party. We'll get into that in a little bit. Some of our mutual friends have said that's the most stupid idea they've ever heard. 
Well, you know, when we start getting to the appropriateness of the response, we lose track of the initial causation in the first place. And I pointed out, hey, you know what? A couple of years ago, a dude tried to bring attention to this by not, you know, by kneeling during football games. Well, everybody said that was inappropriate, was an employee, whatever. Okay, fair enough. Maybe he shouldn't have done that on the job, but perhaps if people were as outraged as the behavior he was trying to illuminate as they were for disrespect or perceived disrespect for the national hymn, maybe we would have made some progress by now. Thoughts? Well, <laughs> I like some of the terms you coined, by the way. Sacred, <laughs> sacred holy parchment. Holy like parchment, that. the national yeah. hymn. What's <laughs> the other one? The holy sky cloth. Oh, Suzanne, now you moved to Somalia, you commie. And I see you brought the, the big dummy with you over there today. He's going to talk about secession and other craziness. Folks, listen to what we're saying. Listen to the his, to the historical backdrop of the principles and philosophies, and they are important that we're trying to tell you. If you just want to hear the response that's ultimately going to lead to more government draconian behavior, go watch Fox. Go, yeah, watch it. go ahead. I tried to frame this, and I've been framing. I'm going to keep plowing this ground on my Facebook page. By the way, I'm going to. I, I posted something yesterday about the uh, Indian Removal Act of of uh, eighteen the 1830s, and you know, the taking of Georgia lands and moving the seven tribes out here to Oklahoma. And so I postulated that in 2050, when the demographic shift is complete and the white European descendants are the minority in the United States, what if we get to 2050 and the Congress is now uh, held by people who were formerly minorities but are no longer, now they're the majority, the president is a liberal majority, and he has appointed, uh, I mean, a, 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 a liberal part of the majority, and he has appointed liberal appellate court judges and, and justices to the Supreme Court. And Congress gets this retaliatory attitude, which is done before, by the way. We've heard decides, it. We're going to yeah. make them pay. Yeah. And they decide they're going to pass the, the White Western European Descendant Removal Act. And all whites in the United States have 90 days to move to Idaho, I mean, uh, Wyoming and North Dakota. That's our new protected territory. Now, most white European descendants are going to say, that'll never happen until you look in the 1830s and see, oh, Congress constitutionally told the native indigenous American population, leave, or we're going to force you to leave. And of course, there's this campaign that goes on down there between the various factions and eventually money exchanges hands and some of the chiefs jump on board. Before you know it, the Trail of Tears occurs and, and they're walking out to um, Oklahoma, their new land. Well, so don't tell me that can't happen. Now, we just we, the problem with conservatives typically, and this is why philosophy is important, but it's extremely difficult for conservatives to embrace this. They have embraced an ethos that goes something like this. And we hear it this time of the year, every two and four years. This is the most important election of our lifetime. Their actual thinking skills come out in that phrase because they repeat it every two and four years, just like they're supposed to. So Rush Limbaugh will get on and amp everybody up. This is the, I, my gosh, when John McCain was running, you know, Tom Woods always said, no matter who you vote for, you end up with John McCain. <laughs> so here, you know, back in 2008, well, this is the most important. I've been involved in politics for four decades. I used to work on Capitol Hill for two conservative GOP 
members of Congress. I'm fully aware of how the game is played. I was in the belly of the beast, so on a very practical level, I have firsthand experience. Mark, then, share with people really quickly what would happen when you take the time to write to your legislative representative. <laughs> yeah, I can't even finish a sentence without you laughing. <laughs> I assure you, unless you're a donor to a political entity or a personal friend, your letter that you wrote to your congressman thinking he's going to read it and he's going to say, oh, this is such an I'm so glad constituent A wrote me. Oh, we're going to pass legislation. That is not how the game works, folks. It went to me or Ed or Don. It went to the legislative staff. And then because we were so busy and, and let me just pause here for a moment and give an idea to people how Congress actually works. We start our day at seven o'clock in the morning reading all the major newspapers. What is going on? Oh, what's going on? What happened overnight? And 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 because we may have to respond to it somehow. And then we start dealing with the Daily Mail that comes in. And it is stacks. I mean, sometimes I'd get a stack of letters this thick or emails. Well, it wasn't emails back then, it's just letters. And you gotta go through them. I mean, we all were assigned a, a, an area of Congress that we watched and our, most members of Congress sit on two committees. And so I was the senior legislative assistant for Richard for his committee, interior and insular affairs. And, um, and, and Gary was with uh, his prime committee, which was the banking committee at that point. Now it's called financial services, I think. <clears throat> so anyways, we're all getting mail from constituents who are have genuine concerns. They're, they're, these are genuine people. They're, they're taking the time to sit and write a letter. And excuse me, it comes to my desk and I'm busy tracking legislation. There are so many bills going through uh, Congress, excuse me, and there are so many bills going through our committee. I'm trying just to keep up with them so I can tell my boss, the congressman, what's going on in his committee. So you spend all day doing that. And then finally, about three o'clock in the afternoon, you start thinking, okay, I got to deal with these letters. I, I have to deal with these constituents. So you read the letter, you read the first paragraph, you try to get a figure out what, what are they even talking about? And then you search your computer for something your boss may have said about it. And you go to that speech or you go to that press release or whatever, and you grab a section of it and you throw it into a letter and you say, dear Mrs. Smith, I thank you for contacting me with your most important issue and then you might reference it and then you'll give a little section of the comment or press release or speech or whatever the congressman did and then you'll sign almost every senior every legislative staff member i know would sign it this way please rest assured mrs jones that if <laughs> legislation makes it to the house floor i will be voting with your interest in mind sincerely richard h baker member of congress and then my little initials mek because Richard never saw the letter, never. I saw it and I answered on his behalf. And folks, that happens times a million. Now with thousands of pieces of legislation going through the house every year, you can't keep, nobody can keep up with that. And, and what so- a, What a non-responsive uh, answer to that letter. I will keep your interest in mind and then vote whatever I feel like voting, you know? and. I think this is the thing people, you know, I was I was watching some of the commentary when they had the protests out here in Salt Lake City, which did get a little violent. And the, the most violence I saw, by the way, 
was perpetrated by the police officers. For the most part, I thought they showed some really good restraint. I did share a video clip of an officer literally throwing a man, pushing him so hard down on the ground, an old man with a cane. Uh, you know, they're doing their job across the country showing why everybody is is uh, very upset. So I just wanted to um, interject that. I had another point to make, but we can get oh, to but it this a little is, bit. This is, and, 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 and so what I try to do is expose the ruse. Because if I can expose the ruse, now we can begin to have real conversation about changing going forward. So my entire book is about that. It's exposing the ruse and then saying there actually is a better way forward. There actually is. I firmly believe in my, and I'm 61, I recognize I'm rounding third and heading for home. I'm not going to be here that much longer. But I have four adult children and six grandchildren. And I am fully convinced we are totally ready for another big philosophical leap forward when it comes to organizing society. Because if this thing has proven anything, this ain't the way to do it. My gosh, we are about to have a race war. And, and we are about to start shooting each other. And we think this is the best, this is the pinnacle of man's achievement. Well, maybe some of the more thoughtful people should figure out ways to reduce the tension and say, you know, there is a better way forward. Going back to my analogy about the white European uh, Descendant Removal Act 2050, what are you going to do when the shoe's on the other foot and they right. come to you and say, hey, white Suzanne Sherman, you got 90 days to get your fanny up there in North Dakota or we're going to move you there. Now, look what's is happening in South Africa. Foot. Look what's well, happening. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's Don't tell me it won't happen. Yeah. Right. So when you people know, tell me it won't happen, I, the, I'm like, you're not a good thinker. Someone is asking for a quick blurb about your book. We're going to get into that. But I want to set this up when we're going to talk about your book, why it's so important for people to share these ideas. I made a comment earlier about social media platforms being the 21st century's version of the town square. And Daniel commented, well, if that's the case, then Facebook isn't a private company anymore. So, you know, I don't want to get into the argument that once a company becomes so successful, everybody's using it, it becomes a public entity. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is just the de facto version of the 21st century town square. It is what it is. And if people think that Facebook as a private entity, that's another issue. We've covered that before. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is, the government regulating the means of expression, again, we're talking about how we can all communicate, is not without precedent. I'm not saying it's right, but everybody seems to have forgotten the fact with regards to regulation of the newspapers and television, 1964 New York Times versus Sullivan, where the black robe messiahs imposed on the media uh, a standard by which they could be sued by public figures. And that is they have to know it was false or publish with actual malice. So then we had Red Lion versus FCC. And that gave us the fairness doctrine, which implied that there were going to be certain obligations of broadcasters due to what they call the scarcity of the airways. There's no scarcity of the Internet, folks. This crap goes on forever. Everybody can get to it. So there's no reason to have this kind of censorship. But does the government have the authority to say, no, you cannot censor? No, it really doesn't. So kind of like what we were talking about with Mike Meharry, how does a free society deal with a pandemic? Hmm, I don't know. How does a free society deal with ostensibly 
private companies censoring those of us that are trying in all earnest to effectuate real change and not just continue the status quo. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're trying to do. That's why we need your help and support so much. We'll be right back to the discussion right after this about Roxanne, the music provider for the Wasatch Report. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, well, this is the new frontier of discussion, if you ask me. This and, and other, I, I see, you know, it's funny, because of the circles I run in now, uh, there's a lot more of us out there than we know. And, and, and you guys might remember the Zogby poll I posted. I posted routinely the 2018 poll where he, he tracked and asked, asked the question what people thought about um, secession as a topic. Would they, would they be in favor of it? And you know, he describes it as a plurality or in support of it. But when you dig into the data a little bit more, it's it's, it's roughly 39 to 40 percent of the people in the context where this secession is not a discussion as a viable alternative to the future. Thirty nine percent of the people, which is about 60 million people, still said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm open to the idea. I'm totally open to Oh, why? Why is that out there? Well, and, and where is the discussion on this? You know, this is the problem right now. This is the problem of Limbaugh and all these other ideas that are going on right now. Um, this is this. We have locked ourselves into one structure. And as I describe it all the time, here's what happens every two or four years. We are offered vanilla Republican and we are offered vanilla um, uh, the Democrat. That's it. But you're getting vanilla. You are going to get vanilla. It doesn't matter if it comes in Democrat. It doesn't matter if it comes in um, uh, Republican. You're getting vanilla. The very second somebody offers chocolate, there are going to be millions of people that are going to line up and say, oh, I want that. So to somebody's question earlier about secession and, and how it works. Well, the first thing is going to uh, be exactly what we do now. We are talking about it. We're getting the discussion going. We're agitating for an alternative viewpoint on the society we call America, located between the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean and the uh, 20th parallel and the 50th parallel, Canada, Mexico. It's this part of the North American content we are beginning to talk about and say, is there an alternative way to organize this? And if you say there isn't, then that tells me right out of the gate, you're not a good thinker. You're an agenda thinker. That's what you are. You're actually a right side brain, emotional agenda thinker. You have not moved over to your left side and said, what does logic tell me? Well, logic makes it very clear that where we're headed right now is horror, absolute horror. People, there's only a few good, there's only a few outcomes and none of them are good here. Either there's a totalitarian move by some sociopathic megalomaniac we call an elected official and a new kind of, of, totalitarianism shows up on this North American content or the thing breaks up in, in either a peaceful methodology or a violent one. I am trying so hard every day to talk about 
Let's do this peacefully. I have got many black friends who do not want to shoot anybody. And I don't want to shoot any black people, nor do I want to take their land or do anything to them. I want to coexist with them. And don't tell me that can't happen. I get this is one of my greatest frustrations. This Thomas Hobbesian brainwashing that occurred to me first. I'll blame myself first. I bought it, too. And then is still so pervasive out there in everybody's ethos. They are convinced that Hobbes was right, that man in a state of nature without government is going to be at war with each other. Now, I actually put that to test over a long period of time. So I have empirical personal evidence, empirical. You cannot refute the evidence. You can't and don't try to. I examined my life for months and I looked for evidence of this man at war with me. So I went to Walmart and I tried to see well, does the cashier want to kill me? Or do they say, well, good morning. Thank you. I went to Starbucks. I went to AutoZone. I went and got my oil changed. I went to the movie theater. I went to my doctor. I traveled on roads. I went everywhere. And I was searching for this man who was going to kill me, rape me, or murder or, or steal from me if it wasn't for government. And you know what I found out? The only person that was screwing with me usually had a light on the top of their car and gave me a ticket for not wearing my seatbelt, or I got a letter from them with big acronym initials on the top of it. That's who screwed with me. So my empirical beyond dispute, you cannot dispute what I track. You cannot because I lived it. My empirical evidence proved the fact that we can live without this thing we call government. And don't tell me we can't. I do it all the time. Now, having said that, and I'll take a breath here for a moment. <laughs> I'm very passionate about this. Having said that, there are going to be, because of diversity, some people who want it. And fine, have it. So if Minneapolis needs a big government to control themselves, well, that's, I don't live in Minneapolis. I live in Oklahoma. Don't make me have the same thing you have. And don't threaten me with the 82nd Airborne. That, this, is, this is lunacy, folks. Now, I will be the first to admit I used to make these arguments. I did. I'm going to be humble and say I worked in Congress. Ari Fleischer was my friend. Ari Fleischer, the former press secretary for George Bush. I ran in all those circles. I was there. I'm going to be humble and admit I was not a good thinker for a long time. I was an emotional right-wing you know, thinker. That's how I would discuss things, that I would, I would know policy inside and out, and I could make the policy arguments all day long. And I'd listen to Limbaugh, and I'd listen to Hannity and Levin, and I'd cheer and say, oh, you let him have it. I'm going to be the first to admit that used to be me. But then I ran into a guy like uh, Don Livingston and Tom Woods and even Kevin and Marshall DeRosa and Brian McClanahan and Ryan Walters and a lot of other guys. And they began to challenge my understanding of things. Joshua Lyons, Scott Strelzik began to push my thinking began to make me stop and think, was I, is that right? And I concluded, well, no, I got a lot wrong. I, I have a lot of this wrong. 
the difference between me and a lot of people is I was willing to admit it and say, oops, I was wrong. Now, I remember one time my radio show years ago, Suzanne and Jeff, back in Maryland, I got on the radio and did one of the more difficult things you ever have to do on radio and tell my audience that everything I had told them heretofore was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah. I was just wrong. Mark, okay. remember when you got me back on the radio on our old network and I'm sitting there, got to get back to that constitution. And then I'm getting these private messages, constitution, schmonstitution. What is that big dummy going on about? And you know, Kevin, who showed up at the beginning of the show, I read his book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Constitution and reading about the 14th Amendment. And as an attorney, good morning, Justin. Great to see you here. Uh, and and reading about the 14th Amendment, just like, and I'm going to, here's, here's my mea culpa, folks. Just like Mark did his work in Washington, D.C., I did my bit to add incorporation and to diminish the powers of the states in favor of the national government. Every time I represented a client and went in with a motion to dismiss or any other kind of motion, I would cite that their constitutional rights made applicable to the states through the 14th Amendment are the reason why I'm going forward in this in this motion in court. <clears throat> I was part of the problem, trying to make up for that. Read my article, The Problem with Lawyers and the Constitution. I discuss my law school experience. You are benefited by getting history wrong in constitutional law. I call it con law. They call it con law for a reason. It is constitutional law, not constitutional history. But you benefit by getting it wrong. You get good grades. You get accolades by your professors, by your family. When you say, hey, I got a 95 in con law. Isn't that great? If I answered the bar exam in in conformance to constitutional history, I would fail. So you get it wrong, you get to be a lawyer, you continue to get it wrong, and you get paid well as a lawyer. Jeff also has a background in law enforcement. Justin Spears, who comes on this show frequently with us, career teacher, now has written a book about the failure of the education system. Folks, when you come and listen to us, you are actually listening to people that were part of the problem who are trying to make amends and fix things. You don't get that by some bubblehead on the news, on television, who's been a journalist and nothing but a journalist their entire lives and can read from a teleprompter, but can't really think analytically. <clears throat> Tommy Laren, are you listening? Analysis as deep as a birdbath. And that's the crap people are listening to. It might not be fun. I don't have a career in diplomacy ahead of me. I know that. I know I make people angry. I did it last week on my page, and I think that was the conservatives that really got angry when we were posting and talking about the police brutality. And that's something coming, circling back to what we alluded to earlier. You know, we have a movement here, just like Occupy Wall Street. There was a guy, and, and I want to see if I can find this. It was on YouTube. He was shouting until he lost his voice about the problem with fiat currency and the monetary system the Federal Reserve. Well, what happened? Once that truth started getting out, it was co-opted and it became a communist run event, Soros paying, people getting busted. And we lost the original message. What we have to get back here to here is the original message of the violence of the police state. Watch the movie Police State. That is a true story. It happened out here in Davis County, Utah, Utah. A gentleman who was the youngest uh, ever elected official, elected sheriff in the, in the state of Utah, 27 years before his son-in-law was killed by the very entity he formed, the uh, Davis County SWAT. 
and they executed his own son-in-law in front of his own home. Read Rise of the Warrior Cop, the militarization of the police. We're seeing an escalation of police violence. That is the point of these protests. Now combine that with now the COVID lockdown. So people have been locked down and people were people have been locked down for a long time. Uh, who's showing up to enforce the lockdowns when businesses want to engage in the free commerce that you talked about earlier, Mark? The police. Now yeah. putting us on a curfew. I think what's happening is we are seeing the protests like we're seeing in Hong Kong, like we saw in Europe earlier. People are kind of tired of government literally with their boot on their neck now. This is the reality. People are tired of it. And that's what we're seeing. Please don't be distracted by the opportunists that we see at every event. This isn't about looting. This isn't about violence. This is about the violence in the system that caused these protests. Not advocating violence here. We're talking about cause effect. Focus on that. Go ahead. Can I Maybe. can I jump in? Yeah, can I know where to go, Jeff. Let me sir. I want Andrew and Daniel banned from this site by this, you know, look at Andrew's comments. Uh, I want him, he's, and Daniel is affirming it. So I want him banned as well. I'm not talking anymore unless they disappear. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, before the show, we were talking and I said, you know, the, one of the, about one of the greatest mistakes that we as a society, as a people made was delegating our natural right to self-preservation and to protecting our property and this, uh, abdicating it to government. And so what do we have now today? We have a government that is uh, using excessive force on people. Someone's sitting on a guy's neck. And what you don't see in that picture, there's two of them sitting on his body. The one's on his back. Uh, and he's cuffed behind his back. So he cannot, he truly could not believe, breathe. That was positional asphyxia, asphyxia for the English speakers. So you know, here we go. We have we've abdicated our personal responsibility to defend ourselves and our property. And let me just go to the Pennsylvania Constitution, Article One, Section One. Um, they call it the Bill of Rights. I'm gonna. I agree. This should be called the Bill of uh, Restrictions. This is restricting government. It's not giving us rights. We already had these. But Article One, Section One, inherent rights of mankind. All men are born equally free and independent independent and have certain inherent and indefeasible rights, among which are those of enjoying and defending life and liberty. So you can defend your life of acquiring and possessing and protecting property. So you can protect your property uh, and reputation and uh, pursuing their own happiness. That's the very first restriction placed on the Pennsylvania government is that we can defend our life and defend our property and pursue our own happiness. And what have we done? We've given that up to the state. Uh, we look to the state for our protection. We look to the state for, for protection of our property. We look for the state for our happiness. So, oh, well, I, I need this. I need that. They need to give that to me. So here we are. We abdicated our personal responsibility. We've given it to government. And look where we're at. Police in riot gear. National Guard in the streets. Trump threatening to put the 82nd Airborne. Putting Americans on the street to kill Americans. How could this is insanity? Ted, Ted is There's no way that what could possibly go wrong with this scenario that we're looking at. And we shared a video the other day, Suzanne. You shared the one with the old, the older gentleman that got pushed down by the police officer, yeah. and for no reason, 
It's an old guy standing there in the corner, and you push him down to the ground. And then I shared the one about the the people peacefully standing on their front porch, doing nothing, sitting on their front porch, and the police going down the street, and the guy goes, "Light him up!" And they're shooting uh, pepper balls, paint balls at him, and you go, "Oh, that hurt." Of course, it hurt. But that's government. Government's there to hurt you, to take away your rights, take away your liberties, to take away your freedom. Government is the problem. I'm sorry I got all worked up, but that's the We that's have a the Ted, Ted commenting here, too, and he's alluding to what was also part of the point of that show, the police state. A lot of the militarization of police is a reaction to the violence of the war on drugs. That war, ladies and gentlemen, started by your Republican Party. <clears throat> Go Team Red. So... You know, if, and, and what, what's disconcerting is if you, you know, follow the, uh, the pulse of the community on Facebook, for instance, so many people are cheering this on, on the conservative side, cheering on the war on drugs. I actually had to block somebody from my old page for saying, I call the police when I smell my neighbors uh, smoking marijuana next door. You know, here's our good friend, Justin. He was kicked out of three locations. He was on the phone with a friend who heard me threatened to be fined. He was in his home, his van. He is traveling. He's living on the road in a van. Where do they want him to go? I was forced to stay in a hotel. I was self-isolated before the police forced me last night to be unsafe. I'm boiling. Justin, I feel your pain. I'm boiling too. <clears throat> I haven't been exposed to that, but we've all seen the footage of somebody self-isolating in the freaking ocean. And the cops drag him, violate social distancing, no mask, just drag him away from the beach. People have seen this as inconsistency. They've seen the brutality from these draconian laws. And now we're tying it in. Brian, government isn't a benevolent protector. It was born in conquest and flourished by plunder. He's absolutely correct. And what we're trying to do is draw attention to the fact, the fact that you have to stop looking towards government to keep you safe. It is a matter of personal responsibility. If you are personally responsible, have self-control and are reliant on yourself and don't have to go out and worry about government handouts for your food, your protection, your safety, we're not going to have these problems. A lot of these people that are out there, the Antifa kids especially, there were a bunch of these kids from the U, these are the ones that want their free education, they want their free health care, and somehow this stuff is just miraculously going to descend upon them. That stuff can only come about from the violence of a police state. You wanted more government, you little kids? Here it is. Enjoy it. Go ahead. Let me just uh, it maybe take us in a, in, a, in a different direction in this sure. discussion, because I think we're both, all three of us are kind of headed in the right direction. And, and, and Jeff, I want to jump on something you said, and Suzanne, you did. So we, we know there's violence inherent in the system. At some point, we have to step all the way back and say, is the problem the system? And this is where people are struggling getting to. They want to tweak the system and think they can make it better. And the system actually can't be made better. It is just a bad system. And let me explain this just a little bit because this is something I run into all the time. I suspect you guys do as well. There's inherent in us a desire to blame the people for this mess. I hear it all the time. Oh, it's not the problem with the document. It's the problem or the government that came out of the document. The problem is the people. Now, that's very clever <clears throat> propaganda for government, by the way. Government loves to hear you say that. They love it because as long as you believe that, then you're going to always have no options, none. You will always have to 
go with a left-right paradigm and can my side get more votes this time and winner takes all so we get to rule you for a while and it just continues to be this mess between the people the conflicting ideologies and government hides behind that the system hides behind that mark we're so, going to take a we're going to take a quick break for anchor while you adjust your mic so it's not getting oh i'm sorry so sorry. yeah we're going to take a break for anchor fm and jeff what you can do is uh interject the other one wherever you can we could probably run two of them in a show this long We'll be right back after this message about Anchor FM. All right, everybody, we're back, and uh, Mark Crosslands is with us, and he's going to continue uh, where where we left off. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry about that interruption. Oh, thank you. I will remember to get keep my mic off. I'm I'm going to get my stand up mic back uh, <laughs> so I can keep it off my shirt here. So so if we accept the premise that government, as we understand it, is the problem, well, now that opens up a whole set of different discussions. Now, let me prove my point here. And I think one of the problems that most well-meaning people who want to use the argument that it's the people's fault dismiss way too quickly is the psychological impact of government on us. It is force. So I want to take you all the way back to October of 1794 to help you see this right out of the gate. So New Hampshire ratifies the Constitution, nine, state, um, nine states ratify in June 21st, 1788, and the Constitution is now functioning. Well, obviously, the, uh, the new government needs money, so it's passing excise taxes on all sorts of things. When you read the congressional record, you see right out of the gate, they start finding ways to collect excise revenue. So there's uh, a tax put on whiskey, and, and the Western farmers who are distilling whiskey out there Take a, take a burn to it. They don't think it's fair for a number of reasons. Some of them, transportation of their whiskey across. I mean, you got to remember, there's no uh, FedEx. <laughs> you're, you're, you're hitching up a wagon and you're dragging that thing days across to get it to the ports where you might be able to sell it and ship it out. But anyways, there's this conflict between the Western Pennsylvania distiller, whiskey distillers, and Washington, D.C., and, and a desire to collect taxes, uh, what they believe to be an unfair tax, on whiskey. So they start making noises about secession. They start making noises about rebellion. They start not only making noises, they start taking some action against tax collectors out there. And the temperature is rising out in western Pennsylvania and against the federal government. Well, this to make a long story short, at the end of the day, Hamilton and persuades or Washington wanted to call up 13,000 troops, and they start marching 13,000 troops out to western Pennsylvania, very likely in violation of Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, but that doesn't, that's a separate issue. I want to talk about the psychological impact of that. Now, you're in western Pennsylvania, and you're eating stew at night with your wife and your kids, and you catch wind that Washington is marching 13,000 troops at you at you. You're one of the distillers that is saying, we don't think this is fair. We're, we're wanting to protest. We want to leave this union. They're forcing 13,000 troops at you. Now, not only that, think about all the states who got the news. When a group of people tried to resist what they felt was an unjust tax this new government <clears throat> going to kill you. It was going, now you don't march troops out there just to say, hey, how you doing neighbor? 
can we talk about this? Are you willing to rethink this? If we and bear that in mind when Trump talks like he's doing right now. Exactly. <laughs> so this is why I give people the pass. We have all been terrorized by a terrorist organization called government. And so it's very natural for people to not blame their captors, but to begin to blame themselves to be out of fear, just out of fear. So what was the message every American got in October of 1794? What was the message? They all got it when they read their local newspaper and it said, President Washington marches 13,000 troops into Western Pennsylvania. Regardless if they agreed with Washington or not, it doesn't matter. What was the message they heard? The psychological impact on all America in 1794 was simple. If you get crosswise with this new government, they will kill you. And that is what has happened ever since. Now, so when people tell me or try to tell me, well, Mark, it's the people's fault, the Constitution. No, the people are scared to death of government. I am. <clears throat> I am. They can kill me. They can take, every, I look around my home here, they can take things from me based on their opinion of why they should take something from me. And so then what happens? Excuse me. Now you have a system of government, the system. I want to get back to that. Now you have a system that draws to itself the worst amongst us, the consciousless, narcissistic sociopath charismatic guy or girl who raises their hand and says, vote for me, vote for me, I will help you. Then they get into Congress, the county council, the governorship, they get in there and they don't really care about you at all. I saw it, I was there, I was one of them folks. I was, do not dispute me on this. I have eyewitness right there, that thing, <clears throat> saw it. And that thing, the brain up here, did it. So don't tell me it doesn't happen. I saw it. Now, when the megalomaniacs get in charge, they do exactly what Washington did. They tell you on the campaign, oh, I'm for limited freedom. Oh, man, limited government. I'm, I mean, limited government. I'm pro-freedom. I am pro-life. I, pro I am pro-second amendment. I am standing with you. That's why I'll wait until the police unions start to back qualified removal of qualified immunity before I believe any of the kneeling going on out there. Mm -hmm. All the kneeling is just more propaganda, in my view, until they back it with, oh, we are behind getting rid of limited immunity. I'll trust a politician that runs legislation to do away with the doctrine of sovereign immunity. Now, I'll at least have a minuscule of trust for them. But until then, I'm not going to blame you for the mess we're in. I'm not blaming the people. We have been psychologically traumatized by this system. So as I say in my book, let's get rid of the system. The system is the problem. I want to just draw this analogy and then I'll shut my mouth for a few minutes. Think of the movie Terminator. What do we know about Terminator? He's a bad guy. He's trying to find Sarah Connor and he's going to kill her. Why? Because she is the mother of the one who's going to lead the revolution against him. <clears throat> now, one of the movies, they go back and they try to kill what? They try to do away with what? Skynet. 
Skynet, right? There's a whole movie about it. Remember the black guy is a programmer and they try to kill him because he's Prophetic about to throw movie. the switch. Just like, just so, like Hunger Games. <laughs> yes, the Constitution is Skynet. <clears throat> and the government that came from the Constitution is the Terminator. The only way you're going to deal with the Terminator, folks, is to get rid of Skynet. And if you can't see that, if you can't see that, then you're still a right side thinker of your brain. You're not thinking with your left side because that movie was spot on. You get rid of Skynet, you never throw the switch, and there is no Terminator. So I'll shut up with that. But that's you know you mentioned you mentioned a police officers union standing up to say we need to uh, acknowledge qualified immunity and uh, this privilege is is a mistake. You're not going to see that. You'll see them kneel or do some ceremonial. I think the police chief of Chattanooga said anybody okay with George Floyd's uh, handling should turn in their badge. But we're as likely to see them take a stand to end this qualified immunity as we are to see Congress stand up for term limits. And I'm not an advocate of term limits. I think you're just going to get more idiots going through the door at a faster pace, but that's a topic for another show. But you're not, you're not going to see that. So um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on that. Jeff, go ahead. No, I'm good, but I'm so busy uh, typing out. away here about uh, <laughs> idiocracy. Brando's got electrolytes that I was just having fun in the chat. Okay. But, um, <laughs> I will Mark, tell you, you yeah. okay. uh, Go Daniel, ahead. Daniel's got it right in the comment. He's got a comment there. Terminator will not stop until you are right. dead. Remember that right. scene? He's referencing yeah. a scene I post all the time. It's yeah. They and won't I, stop. Until you stop the system, they're not going to stop. You know, right. something and, else I was, I was watching last night, too, I was watching some of the local coverage in Salt Lake City. <clears throat> and here's a hand. Here's an example of what the enforcement branch of our overlords, the police officers on the scene were saying. People were the protesters were talking about their, again, misguided all the way around their constitutional rights to peacefully assemble. Well, <clears throat> the police officer said the Constitution isn't the issue. We have a law that has a curfew imp imposed upon you. So you're seeing this nonsensical, ridiculous lack of reason. This is being what's making it to the nightly news, the local coverage. So we have the protesters saying they have a constitutional right, the police saying, well, the constitution isn't at issue when we have a law. Where do they come up with this? Now, Utah's constitution does have a provision similar to the First Amendment, that's being violated. But now we don't care because we have an emergency. So a state of emergency, read um, Robert Higgs, neither uh, fear nor safety, I think is the one, or neither safety nor liberty. I have that on the website. I'm reading that right now. And also Crisis and Leviathan, where he very eloquently explains that government takes seizes the opportunity, just like the looters, by the way, to grab their own flat screens, plasma TVs, the government has the opportunity here and seizes upon it to grab their own version of flat screen TVs by stomping on our liberty and our very throats. Uh, Brian, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, not stuck in the middle, but hovering above the entire uh, farcical spectrum, weeping as I behold my fellow man's devotion to political illusion and, illusion and self-destruction, Robert Higgs. If you're not familiar with Robert Higgs, Start reading them. Go ahead. Become, and this is this is what I do all day, every day now. This is why I am pleading with you, not you guys, 
pleading with the audience, pleading with my friends in my community, pleading with whomever will hear, the system is the problem. You've got to now think forward. You cannot think in the past. If you think you can fix the Constitution, you are just a slave. You're just a slave. Just to at least be humble enough to admit you enjoy slavery. You enjoy the products of slavery because you're just a political slave. And so I am begging people. We're smart enough. We're not stupid. We don't need a group of sociopaths telling us how to live. That's undignified. It's embarrassing that I used to believe that. I'm embarrassed. I am more angry at myself than I am at anybody. Because how did I fall prey to this? I'm 61. And for about 40 years of my life, how did I fall prey to this? I thought I was a better thinker. I did. I honestly thought I was actually a little bit smarter than that. And I come to find out I, I, I bought the whole thing. I, 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 I used to think, oh, I'm a senior legislative assistant. Here's my gold card with my gold embossed lettering saying I work for Congressman Richard Baker. I, I'd go home and drop. I had my wall was filled with pictures of all the famous celeb, political celebrities and me shaking their hands and them signing, sending me notes. You'd have walked into my house, Suzanne and Jeff, and you'd have thought, wow, Mark's pretty connected. Keep, like, keep those handy, Mark, because when the power and everything fails, you'll need those to light fires. <laughs> Just like that <laughs> Yes. So I'm begging with the people listening today. I'm begging people on my page. You're smart enough to think forward. Don't let a bunch of sociopaths, megalomaniacs tell you you're not. I'm telling you back to my point earlier. I My life is an anarchist life now. I don't need government to order my life, nor the 140 people I live around that I wave all the time, nor the 43,000 people in my county that I wave and I fish with and I, and I see in stores. I don't need, we don't collectively need a group of sociopaths telling us how to live and then taking money from us when, or our property from us when we don't do something they say we have to do. Folks, that's just, you know, Mark, we, we've alluded to a few things that we really need to capitalize on to get people to think differently. First of all, we talked about the uh, the illusion that government exists to keep us safe and to protect us. We've talked about the uh, false notion that the Constitution is going to get us out of here, uh, that we can vote our way out of here as well. You know, we have to also address, we're seeing a lot of comments about anarchists. These people are not anarchists. Also, there's the misuse of the term and the misunderstanding that anarchy implies chaos, nihilism, where liberty will never be found. But that's precisely the opposite. I encourage people to read Higgs. We will have more uh, discussions about anarchy. But as we wrap up the show, we just really want to leave you with the impression that what you're seeing out there are not anarchists. They are both statists on each side fighting, you know, with a tug of rope for their version of government. What is the rope? It is our very souls and they want it. Don't let them have it. Uh, closing comments, Mark, where can people find you? We want to do a show also specifically on your book. We kind of sidetracked, but today I wanted to cover the current events, but also where can they follow you? Where can they get your book? A couple of places. One is I'm a born again evangelical Christian who wants to love God with my mind. So you can go to my website, lovegodwithyourmind.com. That's where I sell the book. I'm a evangelical born again anarchist 
proudly, don't debate me on this. I've got the facts on my side. Now, if you want to debate me, you can come over to my Facebook page, uh, Mark, uh, what is it, Facebook.com slash Mark Kreslins, or you can go to the group I formed about the book, Exit the Book. Uh, just search for it in the groups and you'll find me there. Awesome. Thank you. Jeff, any comments before we wrap up the show? No, I think that we've covered it. I mean, we are, this show is going to end up being over an hour. So I'm just going to let it go at that. Uh, and we need to have you back on, Mark, definitely to talk about the book, but to continue this discussion about the philosophy of secession, because it's it's the only way forward at this point. If we don't break off, we have very, no, I'm not, I have nothing in common with the Marxist or the communist or the socialist. I have nothing in common with them. I don't want to be in a society uh, having them order my society. So it's time to talk about separating. If they want to be, have their way, that's fine. We can we can separate. They can have their areas, and I can have mine, where we have uh, no little or no government. And I am going to post that thing I did the other day, Mark. I, I haven't shared in a while, trying to order a society and not have legislators and uh, executives at all. Uh, I need to repost that so people can kind of get an idea how this can be actually can be done without having government, but we have governance, two different things. So folks, as we wrap up the show again, this is just a reminder, you're going to hear things from us that you're not going to hear from other sources. And uh, please keep following us, support our show. You can support our shows by going to Anchor FM. It's as little as 99 cents a month. Can you imagine, guys, if everybody that listened just paid 99 cents a month? You could do $5 a month. That's less than a freaking Starbucks coffee if you still go there and drink that swill. So I want to encourage you, again, find us on anchor.fm and support our shows. We're on Spotify and I think six other platforms as well. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, we will be back this week. And uh, I'm Suzanne Sherman, Mark Kresslins, Jeff Johnson. Thank you for listening. God bless you. <laughs>